You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Erev Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizcha Daraisa. I'm here with Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bech, announced to the world through all the press services. It was headlines everywhere that Queen Elizabeth had gone to her just rewards. 96 years old, she died peacefully. The Welt Red Wegendame. And I was reminded, Rabbi Yosef Gabriel, of the days when we actually were working on the Xaviad of the Tshuva of Rav Avchom, Av Bezdin, sometimes Slaeshko, his Tshuva that we were working on, Xaviad. Uh, it, w- it was printed by Kapach, and that is one of the sources that the Poiskim rely on, almost as their main source, as to the Chiyuv to be Mavorach Hanamelech, because the question is, she's gone. We're soon going to see, of course, uh, King Charles III. And I think the Shai was going to be Messiah again. To make a broch on, 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 on Bonnie Prince, Bonnie King Charlie, or not. And it was I was taken back by that. That's really the only thing that rang a bell to me, was to re-examine this issue and, and to think about how, in the last 70 years, her presence and the fact that the Jews in England... Uh, established themselves in a way that maybe were never loved by their country, but at least in a pretty strong way. And the, the, the questions always came up about having a glance at Queen Elizabeth and whether you would make... Well, I, I think it's important for us to uh, express um, how uh, she related to uh, the Jewish world and to Israel. And um, the, the, she was very close, it seems, to to the two chief rabbis, Rabbi Jacobowitz and Rabbi Sachs, both of which, uh, in an unprecedented move, she elevated to the House of Lords, right, and made them uh, made them ba- ba- lords and barons, which is uh, and Prince Charles gave a very very moving hesped at the and Jonathan uh, Sachs. Rabbi, Jonathan Sachs, yes, he did. So, uh, and, and by the way, I also read that um, it wasn't just the the uh, the rabbis themselves. Ebbetsons would say that they they marked dying that at the Sudas that they would be invited to. That it wasn't like we're going to give you the kosher meal. It wasn't like we're going to give you the wrapped up <laughs> airline food, but the plate was a brand new plate that looked exactly like the others. But it was done, and everything that was served was kosher. So there was this kveda, despite whatever anti Semitic zachen there might have been coursing through some of the, the people in the royal family, they felt. They didn't feel a key that they knew it was kosher. It was the exact same uh, Hanhoga, and they marked on that. And that shows a, a sensitivity uh, that I think, uh, you're right, is laudable. She never visited Eretz Yisrael, as you know. Right, right. That, says, that is one of the sore, a sore points, uh, certainly some people have. But um, the, 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 um, you know, the Prince Philip's mother is buried on Harazasim. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, and, and Charles I, is... Charles has been there, of course, but I've not as there. we'll see if he goes as king. That might be something if he right. goes. As king. William has been there as well, uh, and of course, the presidents of Israel have gone to England um, and met the Queen many times. So um, uh, they, they uh, obviously England had a reputation for many years of being very highly Arabist, 
very pro-Arab and very anti-Israel. I think that the Queen, uh, whether whether she subscribes to that policy or not, certainly did have a positive relationship with the Jews of England. And I think that there is a right. sense of... I, I think, I, I think basically, well. basically the Havchana was... And again, this is one of the uh, questions that is in the public square consistently. Is anti-Israel the same thing as anti-Semitism? I think that question comes into stark relief when you think about what goes on in England, right? Because clearly the type of of anti-Jewish feeling that was there pre-World War II is not there anymore. Uh, You're always going to find pockets of anti-Semitism everywhere in the streets of Jersey or in in, in Sullivan County or wherever you are. But I think you're correct. There was definitely in the last 40 or 50 years of her reign, you didn't hear about this uh, this type of dirty anti-Semitism uh, rearing its head everywhere, uh, that the Jews were taking stuff over, et cetera, et cetera. However, England has not been Israel's friend. We know that. Um, you know, this, despite being their shutif in some, was in the 56 war, I think they were somehow, they were connected yeah. to us then, but 67, 73, England has not been and in fact, it would seem that they they cowered, uh, they t- kowtowed to the Arabs and the Arab oil. And you're right. Uh, it sounds like she, maybe Mitzad Hertunas Hanefesh, would have wanted to go, but her advisors, who she knew were smarter than her, were telling her. I, I think, would I be wrong again? I'm not a royal person. I never understood Fravus de Velt. Getanzt and Gefreitzach and 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 in Betroyen over Diana. Uh, again, it was to me uh, quite a big pella, especially since. And we go back to the how I started today. She, she was she, she, she was young and beautiful. People, you no, know, I understand, her, but there's a lot of young beautiful stars. The, the thing that made her young and beautiful and important was that she was basically that she could have been not the queen, but she would have been the wife of the king, and in some way would have been this powerful person. Um, and you know, it, it's incredible that you have a country like England uh, that you know prides itself on its logic and its and its uh, advanced way of looking at the world, and yet they are tethered to the royalty. Right? Again, you know, it, it was it's one thing if you're talking about queens and kings making and being involved in wars and real decisions. This was really a rubber stamp that she would usually give. Uh, we know Margaret Thatcher was more the the, the queen of England than than the queen herself, right? And they... Uh, yeah, you know, this is the problem which we have. I, I think that there's a tremendous, tremendous mile of having king-queen. And I hope that uh, Canada does not give up the king-queen idea, even though it looks like Australia and um, New Zealand will probably give it up in the near future. Uh, in our country, the top position, I think we've spoken about this in the past, it's always occupied by a politician. And that means you can never, have, he'll never have full respect of anywhere near the, the uh, overwhelming majority of the people. Because, and usually doesn't deserve it, whether it's Trump or Biden. Each of them has their tremendous chesweiness uh, and their tremendous political um, uh, uh, handicaps because they are who they are. And we have nobody at the top of pinnacle American society who we can look up and say, because they're Ava Kadesh. It, it doesn't exist. And that, right. I think that filters down to us. In the but, in actuality, but in actuality, even though, and I'll talk about Rav Sternbach's Hayra in a second, 
that it was partial to him that you make a bracha b'shem malchus on uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth or now on Prince Charles or King Charles because they have the biggest COVID in the land. And 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 he's as he points out, technically every law that's passed by the House of Lords, the House of Commons, actual Buckingham Palace or wherever the Queen was, and the Queen has to give a temple. But would you do you have do you have a tzad bechalal? And we go back, of course, to um, our tshuva that we worked on. And let me bring it up now, since we worked on it, uh, we saw the it wasn't maybe the Rav Bezin's own ksav. But it was not a printed shuv. It was it was a it was a hundreds and hundreds year old manuscript that was found in um, in in uh, the Ginsburg uh, Kolek Apach uh, published in 1964. It has not been republished, as far as I know. Rabbi Yosef and I, dear listeners, were handed this manuscript. Uh, it was a Spanish type of ksav. Remember, it was a Sephardi type of ksav, and it took us a long time, if you remember. Uh, to get used to reading it, um, because it's, well, the manuscripts are published, but the tshuvas were published in a different form, obviously. So we right, right, oh, right. But we there was more stuff. Yeah, the manuscript we had was a different manuscript. The manuscript was different than what Kapach had, so we actually had you know two different versions. So here is the the version. I don't, you know, I, I, we I think we made as we gave back the papers, but I remember we made copies uh, feverishly before we were taken off the job. But um, that was that would have been the great work that I think we would have been known for. You know, the the Chuvas Rav Avbezdin, uh with both of our names. Mine would come first, of course, and that would have been the. Uh, of course, you're older. We tried to write brilliant horrors um, that were Gishmak and and Lumdus, and our Uber editor, you know, kept on saying, "No, this is not what you want to do." And he, of course, was guilty of it in spades in many of the Kisveya that he. Edited. You remember what I'm talking about, of course. Of course, 100%. <laughs> and and like he was like saying, "No, he that's not." They did tshuva. What? He they did tshuva on that. I hear. Okay, but the truth is, is that when you're at, again, when you put kisveyad in front of anyone, and you realize that this is uncharted territory, and it and and, and as we saw when we took even this tshuva, and we saw its footprints in the Radvaz, in the Mogan Avram in all these other places where little pieces of it were. Anyway, it was, it was very exciting. Uh, I remember that, um, you know, uh, we, 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 we tried to trace it in, from Gaonim, and it does seem to be the original. Uh, and you have to know what Provence and Languedoc was, uh, as the Chsam Soifer's Chuva on this question uh, illustrates, in a patchwork uh, sort of collection of little countries and dukes, uh, dukes, duchesses all around, this bracha can be bandied about almost every 10 miles uh, when you get to someone else who has this power, and, and you'll hear why. That was the question that someone asked. It was a series of questions from the Gemara and brachas from the ninth parak. Um, by the way, again, parada- uh, parenthetically, we discovered consistently that his son-in-law, the Raivad, was almost against so many elements of his psalkin. And that was a lot of fun to discover that the, the, that even though he chose him as a son-in-law, that uh, he was chaylik on him in, in many ways. But anyway, I'll call upon him in Hilchus Brachas, the Rav Bezdin said, was asked about this. Shultoinim. Now, were they uber-melechs? Langaduk was a part 
of, of it was southern what we call southern France today. Every like I said, every 15, 20 kilometers or 25, 30 kilometers, you had the Shultonim who had control. And he said, And even though he's not a Melech, the Don Vahoyreg Bemishbot. And so he is the he is the engine that pushes the process along to the point of actually taking the life of someone, which of course is in, in, for the for the Rishonim uh, from the Rav Avbezdin on was the ultimate sign of power. If you have someone who could actually uh, he the control of the justice system is pushed by him to the point that someone will die for violating uh, his laws or for some sort of a rebelliousness that the king considers an act of rebellion, and nobody can save that guy or or change any law that he makes. Why? And you make that bracha, of course, is the din of uh, Malcha Yisro, and Nosan Michloidai is from the Umas Oilam. So this tshuva doesn't apply. This was the question. Um, is the queen part of this uh, judicial process? Um, is she someone who's done Vahir Gemishpat? She knew nothing about it. I mean, think about it, Rabbi Yosef. No, but she, but she could have. In other words, part of the strength of Jewish, part of the idea is that Monica's vast powers that they never exercised. But in theory, somebody put out a play, a Broadway play, I think it was, years ago, about King Charles taking the throne. And uh, I don't know, the comedy or satire. And then ordering out the army to dissolve parliament. Because parliament, the king can dissolve parliament. And the army swears loyalty not to the government. Of Britain, but, but again, but I asked the king, of, king of, to the king or queen. So in theory, he has tremendous power. Many Poiskim have the courage to say, based on this Rav Avbezdin that we worked on, that the monarchy today is a propped up relic of the past, which gives people a, a linchpin to their history. It allows them to see, oh, you see, her great, 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 great grandfather. I think well, that's about most Poiskim say you can't make the bracha, right? So it's really a machlekes uh, about this. Um, uh, it, it, there's a series again. Rav Sternbach says yes. The, the Shevet Levi says yes because the Shevet Levi says it's about. He says that in the time of the Rav Avbezdin, which was a violent, aggressive time, <laughs> the sign of being the ultimate power was the fact that you ran the show and that you were able to. But he says if you're medayik in the lotion, Rav Vosmer says that nobody can, no one can, no one can contradict you. <laughs> you, which means you are the top dog. Which still, although in the end he says to believe to make the bracha, even if he's not in his royal regalia, you have to hand it to the British. And no other, I don't think any other monarchy today uh, has, uh, you know, although there are many kings and queens in Europe, more than people realize, they still have all the pomp and glory and incredible pageantry, which is associated with uh, the. Monarchy throughout the thousands of years in which it was. It's Narish. Come on. It's Narish. No, I don't, I don't think it's Narish. I think they do it in a way which makes it serious. Nobody, the British themselves, even the ones who are not big, big monarchists, really uh, uh, find it to be something which is uh, they're proud of. Makes them proud. Makes them feel significant. Well, in the world. But what, what is the country? Doesn't, listen, we believe 
Especially we're not Brady. We're not. We're, 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 we're not. We're not Muslim like this. We're we're American schlubs. One second. I'm talking about being a Yehuda Halevi Jew. Yehuda Halevi wrote in the Kuzer in other places that we take a look at these nations and we see their rise and fall. And he, of course, he has he has he has something on his mind. He has on his mind that the Jews were the battery pack that allowed these nations to strive. And the fact that when we look at history and we see Britain, which was once the most powerful country in the world, and we see it in decline, it's really a, a proof to us that we all should be macabre, that all these things are narish, that really, the, the, uh, so. I, I, I don't know. I think Britain's still the third most powerful country in the world. So it's not as if they are a godless country. But I'm, th- third most powerful? Wait a second. I, I listen. That's so, uh, fourth. Sorry. America, Russia, China. Britain. Germany, Germany. Germany is not as powerful. They have a very lousy army at the moment. I'm sure that if they put their mind to it, they can actually excel. They're the best people, weapons makers in the world, but they, they have right now they're schwach. Look, Germany, England, it seems like Germany is, is, is run in a more effective way than... That's true, but it's nothing to do with their koyach in the world. Germany doesn't have nuclear weapons either, but England does. I see. So you really believe, you believe England is still mean something. Listen, the, the difference between America and Russia is huge. Between America and China is also still huge, right? But right out close, the difference between Britain and Russia and China is not that big. They won the Falklands War. What did they do? What is what is where has England been? What has England done? Well, they, they actually, their soldiers in Afghanistan were considered to be a elite force. Yeah, they fought in fought in Afghanistan. They lost a lot of people. I'm not saying that, the, and the, the, not saying that again. But, but he goofed. Even if was the fourth power in the world, Naniach. But but who runs England is Boris Johnson, and now you have this new prime minister who's running it. It's not. It was never. It has not been for for since she was queen. She hasn't run the country. She doesn't run the country. How could again? So it's to me. It's I'm a not sure. Sh- I'm not sure your time is because uh, because the 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 monarchy has. It, 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 she could do anything she wanted, but it'd be a one-shot deal and would destroy the monarchy. She knows that, but theoretically, she could have done anything. Well, anyway, uh, but the point is like this. Yes, I'm spoiled personally when I see the problem and circumstance. I think that that is covered Malchus. I think you see it. It's covered, you know what, it doesn't, it, it, what it is, is being able, it's similar to me, to the reenactments of these civil war battles, right? Yeah, but I don't think it is. I, I bet. Yeah, I don't think it's similar. You know what? Yes, it is because they look at the picture. I wish we had a British listenership. Yes, yeah, about an international following. Then we can get people to to. Uh, we do. Comment. We do have international. I, I, I'll take it even further. You know, I I, I was watching a, a film about a, a British judge who was posketing. So one of the things that the the film was dealing with was when a new judge was being uh, sworn in and they have to swear, not like we say under God to serve, you know, like in the United States, but to serve the will of the, her, her majesty, the queen, Narish. Well, her, majesty, is, her majesty, the queen could not understand. The but they take the it seriously. They take it seriously. By the way, the judges are the biggest riot because the judges, they still wear those wigs. Yes. The wigs and the robes. Especially. Yeah. Come okay. on. Rishi Tuska, what are they doing? Just mask him, mask him. There's so a obviously whole... it's not a joke for them. They mean it. You know what? It, 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 we realize the fact that they have Even to... the women wear these wigs when they become Yes, they judges. do. Right, right. The women judges have to wear the wig too. Yeah. Yeah. Ich verstehe. 
but but we know that this is Nars. And also think about now, obviously it's to us it's Nars because we're Americans, but the British take it very seriously. But what does it do for, for as just like the rest of the world cannot understand how America could take Trump seriously, right? Because that we had a buffoon as president. And we actually thought who, that he's the who president. Was, who, who did not win re-election. That's the Raya Brewer. Yeah, but now there actually people thinking of electing him again. But over there, oh, oh, over okay, there. Okay, but in any event, Lemaissa, Rabbi Sternbach, uh, you're right. The post can be saying not to. I like, but I happen to like Rabbi Sternbach's tshuva on this. I think yes. it's a fairly decent tshuva. It's, to me, the tshuva is a sociological so curiosity. I'm, I'm extending up for Rabbi Sternbach. I feel very guilty about this. <laughs> well, I brought it to your attention. So the point is... Okay, so I'll blame it on you. So it's a sociological uh, curiosity, as far as I'm concerned, um, uh, this whole Indian about how to be misyaches. It's interesting in that Shuba, by the way, Sternbach mentions, um, you know, the 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 Yisrael and the and, and the Hamoin who really made this bracha. Um, again, the King of Jordan. I understand why Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld made the bracha on the King of Jordan because the King of Jordan run ran that country. He was the one. Who... Yeah, it's not a constitutional monarchy, but you know when you look at Abdallah and even Hussein, his father, kings of Jordan, you know they, they are not anywhere near as oppressive as Queen Elizabeth was. You want to see Malchus, you don't look at Abdallah, you look at Queen Elizabeth. Okay, so you're right. In the Nusach Habracha, Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld in a tent somewhere in the desert, talking to him, you know, and I don't know what he was smoking. It definitely did not say And you're not going to say, yeah, but uh, I, I want to I want to shift gears, please. If that's sure. with your permission, there's going to be what's going to happen in the next few weeks is that Rabbi Mervis, the current chief rabbi. Is going to go to Levaya and it's going to go to the coronation. And they're going to take place in churches. Right. Right. And this is a very fascinating thing that he went to the last time Rabbi Mervis went to the church is was in um, for the Queen's Jubilee. And they had a special prayer service of Thanksgiving. And it seems that the London based in Ishidupsak, I guess Rabbi Ernshroy, I don't know who it was in the 1970s, uh, that uh, whenever the the king or queen requests the presence of the chief rabbi, assuming they get invited, then they go to the service in the church. They don't go stam, but they go when their presence is requested. So, the question, guys do suck. It, 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 are they saying in Lumdus that Westminster Abbey is, because uh, I mean, it is a, is a religious service. I could hear yeah. it. Because Westminster Abbey is a place where religious... So what's the heter? So the heter is best came up again, of course, with Obama um, when they had the inaugural church services for Obama, when uh, whether it was his original or his uh, re-election, when uh, Rabbi Luxtein yeah. went to those. So I, Rabbi Luxtein is not the chief rabbi. He doesn't represent American Jewry, and uh, I don't know. Uh, you know Obama is uh, has the same. Uh, stature as the uh, does as the as the monarch in England. It says here that this, I don't know this is Rabbi Herschel Gluck, a Haredi rabbi in London, said it's pretty much consensus point the rabbi should not enter churches, but he goes to JTA, no exceptions when the monarch requests it. Uh, you would think, you know, again, uh, to me, this psak is based on Ava. It's based on the fact that uh, that this could lead. To a fermented, more fermenting of anti-Semitism and a backlash against uh, the whole Jewish Kehillah. 
So he's going really, uh, in a way, to be matzah. And we know Machmas right. Eva, we are matzah a number of Yisurim. Uh, the issue is this: this is it's it's isn't an apazrayu davay dezora. I hear you see that Rabbi Jacobitz wrote. Our conversation with London based on my own practice is occasionally attend churches, church services on real estate occasions, representing the Jewish community. But I never actively participate, nor do I wear a cap and gown. I know what the cap and gown signifies. I find that my Christian notes usually show understanding and respect for this attitude and its reservations. He didn't mention the royal invitation, but okay, I don't think that. Yeah, let me ask you if you were, uh, if you had Mervis's job, and part of you probably thinks you could. Um, I apply for it. Yes, I know. I know. That's why I'm bringing it up. <laughs> what would you do? If What would you do? If the London Basin gave a sock like this, I would follow it. I would try and get a sock like this. I'm sure. The London Basin is itself. I mean, aren't there a number of competing, but they deem them there? Yeah, but the London Basin is considered to be uh, bar, bar hockey. Especially when Rabbi, you know, Rabbi, uh, uh, it always had very hush, but they had Diana Bromsky. Oh, we know Diana Bromsky gave this sock because he was still half Basin in the early 70s. So, uh, you know, the London Basin is Rabbi Abramsky's Basin. I'm not talking about a, you know, a, 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 a rinky-dink little basin in uh, New York City. You know, again, you would think, however, in in an era that celebrates multiculturalism and people's, you know, right to uh, to practice their religion, that they wouldn't be forced into these events. Um, and people could understand, uh, you know, Right, so uh, you, I, I I agree with you. So you, it probably it would be understandable, but evidently uh, they the Diane Diane or issued this sock. Like you said, is a the Mishum Eva. We don't know exactly how Mishum Eva manifests itself. We know in the Middle Ages it wasn't considered Hargvayava, right? When they were compelled to go to church services, they went to church services. In other words, it's not as long as they didn't have to be a mamish. They went into the churches with Rabbonim have entered churches or in uh, Ramesh's Psalkim entered the form shoals and other things like that. We know that if it's clear that it's for political reasons or other things, uh, that, that it, it's not a simon at all of being Machabid Avaitazara, what it stands for. It's another thing when an actual service is taking place and a priest, uh, the Anglican bishop, is invoking Jesus and other things about sending. Uh, Queen Elizabeth to her maker. I think that's quite, it's quite different. It's a shame that I wonder, you know, if, if there would be such a strictures for the Arabs, for the Imams, are, do the Imams regularly go? Are they yeah. given a... at, at the Jubilee? He sat next to the head Imam. Mm-hmm. I see. So again, I see it all as very narish. I, I think that, and again, I know I'm sort of beating the dead, uh, who was a Dodi Fayed's car? <laughs> Could be I'm just beating that car over again and again. But it seems like the world probably would, would, would be, in a way, <laughs> a much better place if they didn't have this this this, this old-fashioned... Uh, again, I disagree with you. I said why. Uh, over they, and I think and that's then, all part of they it. They have that buffoon at the head of their government like we have we, in America. You know what? It would be a real... By the way, is, is, is your wife still a loyal subject of the Queen? She is not a United States citizen, and I guess she is still a Canadian. She has a green card, uh-huh. but, uh, so I guess you would say she is in some way a a a, a subject of, of of King Charles. My mother-in-law, of course, was from England and uh, was very very fachapt uh, by uh, the whole idea of 
of, of Malchus and the mental. And did you ever argue this point with her? I made sure not to argue with my mother-in-law almost about anything. Um, <laughs> Coward. I was extremely, uh, and you find this surprising because I was extremely, I guess, uh, sensitive not to almost bring up anything. I wanted her to leave me alone, and uh, you know, I called her ma right away. I called her mom right away, no problem. How about you? Do you call your mother-in-law mom? Yes, but it took many years. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> I figured that would take you. Be a different sort of monarch. I mean, obviously, Elizabeth knew very little. She was a, 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 like almost a teenager when she when she started. Just a you know, she was again a, a young a young woman in her twenties. You think uh, Prince Charles, who's been waiting? I mean, he's been he's been uh, I guess biting and his, his lips waiting. You know, biting waiting to become king. Uh, do you think it'll make a difference? The fact that he served in the army, the fact that he has ideas. He's written books. I mean, she hasn't done anything. She's she wasn't an intellectual. I don't think in any way, shape, or form. Do you think having King Charles will make a difference? I don't know. Time will tell. You know, I listened to a speech today. He did a good job with his speech. I was impressed. Yeah, look. he had gravitas much more than Americans have had in recent years. Who's last president to have gravitas? Gravitas. Well, uh, look, Obama was able. Well, Obama was a good speaker. But I don't think he had gravitas. Like he was able to summon up. Uh, an oratory skill that we haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah. Again, I, you know, I, I didn't. I thought Reagan was a joke. Reagan has become the the rights. They, they want to put him on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, um, I never was able to figure out what uh, this godless is. You know, he was an actor. Right. I, I always go back to the great scene in Back to the Future, where um, Michael J. Fox uh, is unfortunately a very uh, not well person for many many years. With the, with Parkinson's, but Michael J. Fox plays this boy who ends up in the past, uh, and he's actually in the past thirty years, nineteen eighty six to nineteen fifty six, and um, when he's trying to speak to the mad scientist who can somehow get him back to the future, the question that he asks him is: Doc Brown asks him, "Okay, if you're really from nineteen eighty six, who's president? Ronald Reagan." Oh, Ronald Reagan's president? Oh, oh yeah. And who's vice president? Jerry Lewis? Yeah. And, and Jack Betty must be the secretary of the treasury. You're crazy. So it, it really is quite incredible. Like You think about it in the 50s, the president was Eisenhower, right? The man who had been the supreme commander of all the allied forces in World War II. And um, uh, speaking, by the way, about um, of presidents and, and leaders, Let's talk a little bit about Golda Meir, uh, 72, uh, was the prime minister of Israel. And she uh, oversaw and was part of, um, and again, Israel, of course, uh, was, 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 was restrained themselves at the time. But we know the way they acted afterwards, after the terrible Munich massacre, which uh, to me was probably one of the central events of my youth. Because I was 12 years old, I was into sports, I loved watching the Olympics. Uh, the Israeli athletes, I was very, very aware of everything that was happening. Um, look, I was, I was trapped in a mediocre environment, just waiting to burst out of that. And I was watching and, and aware of everything. Look, I, I was very savvy about the 68 elections. Which and, and, and the riots in, in Chicago. So to me, what was happening in the summer of 72, because I wasn't being sent to camp, was 
you know, and it was already the, the Zman had started, the school year had started, and the Summer Olympics arrived. And the fact that on national television, um, we were, what was being played out was, uh, was, was something horrific, terrible. It was the mixture of, 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 of politics and, and anti-Semitism. It was, it was the Holocaust renewed in Munich the place where Hitler had held all his rallies that was supposed to be a place of great freedom and celebration of how Germany had changed, right? And Germany, of course, was saying, of course, we're so proud of the Israeli athletes. And here, because of that lax security, um, Black September, and they uh, sent out uh, their terrorists to butcher the Israeli athletes, Mamish Chof Mipesha, to just go in them and slaughter them. They were not uh, they were not soldiers, perhaps they were ex-soldiers, but so a- a- antithetical to what the whole spirit of the Olympics stood for. I still remember John McKay, who was the announcer, uh, and Howard Cosell, uh, Koyan. If you remember Howard Cosell, Ayid, uh, he's changed his name from Cohen to Cosell. And I remember Howard speaking out as a proud Jew, how after the 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 Again, those people might remember there was a chance they were going to be saved, and there was negotiations, and they thought that that perhaps that the the terrorists would get what they wanted. They would get the plane, they would get the money, they'd be able to get their Black September um, uh, compatriots freed by Golda Meir, and Golda Meir, as a real queen, as a real kayak, stood strong, and they weren't going to negotiate. They weren't going to let these. They weren't going to let them use. The, the the hostages of these athletes as, as as bargaining chips to be able to allow terrorism to continue. And even though it seemed like a deal was had, um, we all know that at the airport itself, uh, they discovered that the terrorists had slaughtered all, they killed, of course, uh, a number of the athletes in their dormitory rooms. But then- lost them. The Germans, were, the Germans had no anti-terrorism capacity. They had no idea what they were doing. Right, and, and part they of it was the Israelis come in. They wouldn't let the Israelis come in. Right, right. right. So this was this was a, a, a and again it's, it's being celebrated and being. But to me, I remember writing Rabbi Yosef a a a sort of like I would say a novelistic essay about this event when I was twelve years old. Uh, it was about twenty five pages that I imagined myself as being at the uh, site in Munich. And it was, it was, it was incredible. It really was. I, 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 I was really so, I guess, traumatized by it. Uh, and, and the fact that the games went on, McKay and Cosell both said that you can't have the games continue. <laughs> you, you just had the antithesis of the games, but of course the games have to, continue there had to be um you know it was incredible really really incredible i i i carbonis whether and you know of course what golda meir and the rest of the, the israeli parliament decided to do in the knesset they decided of course to launch a, a campaign to discover who was behind that and they assassinated every single person that was connected to it, and sometimes in a very uh, in, in a very brutal way. But in order to be noikim, 
Golda Meir, of course, she needed to be Miss Yayitz with her. She couldn't just decide. But that was a person that was really involved. She was really, you know, if, I, I don't know if you could make a brach on her, but this was someone involved in strategy. She was the one who could release certain things. She has certain kaychas that they give the prime minister with. Um, I guess I will hum the, 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 what is the name of that song? God Save the King. Dum you know why? Why? Why the Americans did so? The when they were young, young, they taught us this nigger for my country. Tis of thee, right? That was thank you. Liberty. That was God yeah. save the king. Yeah, I don't understand why the Americans feel need to appropriate it. It was kind of weird. In retrospect. Well, in a way, it sort of like goes back to my point that. You know, it's not about the cultural country. appropriation, right? But but since that song was like the simon of allegiance, you know what that song is? My country, tis of thee. It is. It's about the country, which is bigger than this. You know, this this archaic representative. Anyway, I would always say to Rabbi Yosef, catch you again next week. Be well, everybody. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.